What's up, guys? This is the Be Yourself Podcast with Lord Swank. I am your host, Lord Swank. This podcast um, is about, for all the people that um, this is your first time listening, this podcast uh, is about being authentic to your truest self and just not conforming to what others think you should believe and what others think you should do and uh, just making decisions that's right for you and it comes from the heart because uh, those decisions will ultimately tell yourself who you really are and uh, confirms who you are to yourself I think yeah, that's kind of like what I described the podcast as. I kind of come into the this um, the space of just trying to shed my layers of trying to put on this mask and be who I think I should be and just stop doing that and just be who I am in my truest, authentic self, authentic form. And so, um, this is episode number nine, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, been pretty consistent, uh, this last couple of weeks. So I'm going to try to keep it as consistent as possible because that's how you build a fan base and how you build, um, sort of a skill in anything being consistent. But for my topics that I want to talk about today, um, they consist of, so I just finished reading uh, a second book out of my little collection that I have uh, accumulated this year. And the second book I just finished reading was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it's really impactful. And I'm probably going to give... um, read off some some of my favorite lessons that I learned out of the book that I've got written down and I jotted down and talk about those and how I kind of try to um, implement those into my daily life or some sorts. And uh, another topic I have is um, I just listened, finished listening to uh, yesterday the interview um, with uh, Apollo Brown on the Ill Minds uh, Blap Chat podcast where he talks all things music production and stuff like that and he had uh, Apollo Brown on the podcast and Apollo Brown is a uh, music producer who pretty much built his um, whole um, career or um Uh, yeah career in this game of music production based off of just him putting out his own projects and putting out his own instrumental albums and um he actually gets the opportunity to tour the world uh just playing beats which is freaking awesome and it uh stuck out with me and um i think i it sparked me to listen to the episode um from a clip that uh illmind had on his his Instagram that he uh, showed a piece of the interview. 
And I was like, hmm, touring, de- touring producer. Um, that's a dope little uh, niche in the producer market that most people don't think about or try, like going a instrument instrumental route and just like putting out the shit they want to make and um, putting out volumes and volumes of music to accrue a fan base to where you can tour just off of playing your beats, which is freaking awesome. And um, I'll probably get into some other stuff uh, that I have, like kind of just like in my back of my head as I'm thinking about maybe some other topics. But um, yeah, those are my two main topics for today. And uh, my first, I'll just get into the Apollo Brown thing. And so um, Apollo Brown, he pretty much came, came up from, I'd say the 90s. And, um, it's crazy cause he, uh, he's benefiting from this era's, uh, way of like streaming and, uh, the easy connectivity with fans and stuff like that. Easy ways to connect with fans and, um, and build a fan base for himself. And it's like, he, uh, he kind of built his groundwork his foundation from the nineties and, um, being going into like beat, or well, I think it was the early two thousands, but he's been producing since the nineties. I'll just say that not like he, uh, was, um, popping or he blew up from the nineties, but he, that's what the era that he came from of starting making music and stuff like that. And so he, he, uh, around 2010 ish, I think he said in an interview that he, that's when he started, uh, really getting traction and really getting out there. I think he, he said he was doing beat battles and, um, doing all types of stuff to get noticed. And, um, doing all these other type of events that he uh, went to to get um, some sort of reaction from people to get like how his beats are really sounding and how they could fare against others and stuff like that. So, and um, it's crazy because he, um, him and uh, I think I forgot his name, but um, Joel T's. Uh Paul Brown and Joel T's has a new album out called Mona Lisa and um that just dropped not too long ago. And um Paul Brown he because he kind of built his career the way he did from his instrumental albums and in touring and stuff like that, he can easily um he can easily just not have to work with who everybody thinks is hot or whatever. He can work with whoever inspires him. And that was a thing that I remember from the episode where he said that, like, he only works with people that inspire him, just like Illmind, of course, because um, it's easier to make music that way. And it's easier to push you to make something greater and not just uh, give somebody 
um, a batch of beats and just say, hey, pick this or whatever. You can easily um, just try to cultivate a sort of sort of um, connection with the artist by creating something with them instead of just like, hey, like, hey send me a, a batch of beats. I'll pick some out and we'll put like a, a album together. And so um, it's like what I got from the interview is like there's so many different ways that people don't even think about routes to go when it comes to producing. It's like you have the the beat selling route, you have the placement route, you have um, the instrumental album route, you have a and that pretty much can tie into like touring as a producer and um, stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure there's other ways. I think it's like maybe like sync licensing, uh, what else, movie scores and stuff like that. I think that and loops into those as well. But I think most people try to go for is placements and um, <laughs> placements are um, awesome. As I'm pretty sure they are for most people and they're very fruitful, but they can they can take a while to cultivate because most placements come from relationships because most people are not just just running into guys like like a, a Drake or a Travis Scott or whoever is hot and um, making moves in the industry and making great music not everybody's just running into those people and most of the time you're not getting um a placement just off of meeting somebody for the most part they must have to really like your personality they'll say like oh yeah i'm gonna check out your beats like this is not the early 2000s or whatever era that people can just run into people and be like oh yeah you have some dope beats let's let's get it popping on that level of getting a placement with like a a huge star like drake or kendrick or cole or maybe even like a a big sean a logic uh a asap rocky but um nowadays it's like what i'm thinking of is not to go after placements anymore just focus on making the music i want to create and that's what i got from paul brown as well it's like he he just creates what he wants because it's like um, it's easier that way and it's hard to try to fit, try to conform to what the sound is today. And because if you do, then you just you can easily get lost in the sauce and you're chasing sounds for the rest of your life and not cultivating something for yourself. And I try to kind of like um, pride myself on um, sort of being in any type of space, like musically, as far as like, as far as hip hop, like being in any space as of like, I could get in a room with spitters, like freaking uh action bronson or uh a joey badass or 
a, a Dave East or let's see somebody that's not like super hot or whatever, um, like a, a West Side Gun or a Conway, like or getting in the studio with spitters like that and being able to create something tailor made for them. And in another day or another instant getting in the studio and creating something for a, or um for somebody like a Travis Scott or somebody like ASAP Rocky or somebody like like uh Lil Uzi Vert or whoever uh hot young rapper or a a rapper that's more melodic and makes most time song hits or songs that go off in a club instead of just like real rap records like all lyricist type stuff so I try to pride myself on being one of those type of guys because I feel like those type of guys their money never slows up because they're not tied to a particular particular sound necessarily they can easily jump and move into different spaces and from from like a bird's eye view to a certain extent it's like the people that really um can be a chameleon i think are the people that can stay making music forever because the people that have a certain sound is it's dope but to a certain point um if they don't like scale back and try to recreate their sound again then they'll fizzle out as fast as they uh became hot because if i think about it, it's like look at uh lex luger like he had a tremendous sound that just took over um early this uh this decade like 2010 2011 2012 he was just i just kept hearing those iconic drums those hard-hitting drums that iconic snare it's probably one of the best snares in trap um that uh in trap beats that i've heard in a long time and um probably will ever be to be honest because it just fits any type of style you want because the Lex Luger snare is just like it can fit a, a chill vibe or it can hit a feel like a, a hard hitting trap beat and um I say like yeah like a guy like Lex Luger who had a sound but his sound kind of like uh plateaued to a certain point and who else um Young Chop I'd say because well young chop and lex luger their sound is more of a a lower bpm to be honest um they don't really have any super fast beats that's like that's perfect for the game what the game is now to make hits for these guys that are out now and popping but like like a team like 808 mafia they can transcend sound because I mean, transcend eras because they these guys are like, they're just trap gods. And they, they can make a beat in pretty much any 
BPM area and still survive because they're just that talented and that versatile. Like I remember Southside being with uh, Lex Luger and him getting a whole bunch of placements on Waka Flocka's first album. And you listen to those beats there. Um, they're uh, much slower than the sound that he has now. And it's super fast. It's probably in the 140 to 160 range. And it could be just like they might just sound slower. It could be just in the same BPM range, but it just like um, the times that it was back then, it wasn't like super fast beats like it is now. Now hits are being made in the like 150, 145, 155 range, even 160. I know that Pierre Bourne, he, he's up there in like the BPM range of like super fast beats like he's hitting like 150 160 ish range and i could tell from like the bop and i could easily look up those um records that pierre born made and look up the bpm and it's pretty high most most cases it's like at least 150 for the most part and um yeah that's like that's like the thing with with having like a being a chameleon and then being like a like having their own sound but um if you don't really regenerate the sound you're just like plateauing or you're going to plateau and i think that's why like i guess this brings me to like metro Boomin, who he pretty much took over from let's say 20 I say he he was he was heating up 2014 and I think he pretty much just took off by 2015 till now and just been there ever since as being like the top producer the last like four years like he's been rocking for a minute and um I think this is the longest run I've seen of somebody being in everybody's face and one of the greatest runs of producer history, just thinking about it, how many, how many projects he, how many collab projects he's released in the last like year or so. And then he just dropped um, his Not All Heroes Wear Capes album that he uh, pretty much put together. And it is really good too. The album is pretty good. And um, got features from Scrap from his most like um he got features from people that he's seemed like he's really close to as far as like making music with like he got people up here like Gucci Mane Gucci Mane he had a whole project with Gucci Mane um I think that was early 2017 um he has I think five features up here with Travis Scott one two Three, four, five. Yep, five features with Travis Scott up here. Uh, who else? He got 20, 21 Savage. Pretty um, cool with him. I think he's like his right-hand man, to be honest, as far as rapping. Because I think he's been on at least two collab projects with Metro Boomin. 
the first one in 2016, I think, with, um, I forgot what that was called. Savage Mode, I think that was the album. Maybe, I don't know. But um, he had that album, and then he had uh, the uh, No Warning. Um, Without Warning with uh, 21 Savage and Offset. Metro Boomer, of course. And then he has, like, uh, records with Young Thug, Gunna, um, who else? Uh, he has some two, like, dope, like, R&B-ish records with, uh, actually three, to be honest. Um, two of them have Sway Lee on it, and two of them have WizKid on it. And... Those records are pretty dope. He has a, uh, not to go through all of it, but like Metro Boomin is that guy now that's like on top of the game and he's really killing it and he will for a long time. And it's because that he's pretty smart, to be honest, because he could have easily like plateaued if he kept going, doing whatever, keep creating records like the way he does, he would have plateaued to a certain extent. Because if you think about it, he he really took off when he helped Future and 808 Mafia helped Future with that monster project that really got him back heating up the streets, Future back heating up the streets. And working with Future, getting him back going in the space of, like, niggas really, really fucking with Future. Um, and helping 2016, he had DS2, he had some other projects that released after Monster. Um, DS2 was pretty awesome to me. That was, like, that was, like, a combining 56 Nights, Monster, and any other project mixtape he put out before DS2. It was just like a combination of all those early releases to me. That was an awesome project. Oh yeah, I think he dropped um, Beast Mode um, before DS2 as well. That was pretty awesome. And um, yeah, he Metro Boom was there through Future and he was there before the Monster Project. Like he had a couple lead records on um, the project before Monster dropped. I forgot what it was called. They were actual like songs that sounded like they were hits or trying to be hits. And um, what else? Uh, 21 Savage helped his growth to him being where he is. Uh, Migos helped Migos with the Bad and Bougie record. Uh, Nav, he had a project with Nav, collab album with Nav, help him um, help his career skyrocket to a certain extent, or get him going as whatever you want to call it. Uh, who else? Um, he had a collab album with Big Sean. That was probably the worst out of the collab albums he did, because Big Sean, he just over time and time the 
it didn't it kept sounding worse and worse because you could as I kept listening I kept hearing more bad lines that I picked out that I didn't hear when I first heard it and I would keep hearing more and more bad lines so I was just like yeah I just I was just like yeah that was just like they threw something together because if I was in the studio I wouldn't co-sign those records to be honest so um what else who else he helped to really take off um I don't know it, it probably is it but um but yeah Metro Boomin is going crazy man he he's having a crazy run man like I don't think I've ever heard of a producer that's been doing it this long. And really, everybody would still say that Metro Boomin is at the top of his game or at the top of the producer game. I mean, of course, his tag is pretty dope. And he that really sets you off to a certain extent, too, because that's branding. And if you have a dope tag, niggas is going to fuck with you regardless. Especially like Pierre Bourne. I think Pierre Bourne has a dope tag as well. That really um, helped brand him as well. And of course with him making his own um, music. And um, uh, what else? Him making his own music and helping Cardi's career uh, skyrocket with that Magnolia record. I think that was my favorite record of 2017 to be honest. Just like every time the song came on, it just it was just mad energy, and I was energetic the whole song, Melly rocking and all. But what was that going on? I don't know. But I've been on a long tangent, so yeah. So back to Apollo Brown, Jesus Christ! I think I went on that tangent for at least about a good fifteen twenty minutes. But um. So Apollo Brown is one of those guys that's like that I respect that I'm starting to see more of people like this who kind of built their career off doing making the music they like to make and here and there they'll get placements and do other different type of stuff. But ultimately, they built their career from um, their own brand of music and not conforming to what everybody else is creating and stuff like that. And it's great to see that it's not just about placements and trying to get a placement because at the end of the day, um, that is not exactly um, what is going to define you as a producer to me, I don't think. I think that uh, being able to stand alone, your beats being able to stand alone on an instrumental album, I think that's... Uh, incredible to me because it's like you're getting um recognition just for how dope the beats are not just like you creating a dope beat for a song a dope song and it's like you can come in with leverage to do different um stuff with artists like you can't just undercut people um when you have a fan base like that of people willing to listen to your music um touring the world just playing your music by yourself your instrumentals 
that's insane to me. Like that you can create a, a business just off of just releasing your own music, uh, on beats out into the world and being able to profit off of it and not have to worry about a placement because that's just what I don't want to worry about. Like, like chasing placements. I mean, it's cool, but it's just like, I rather, um, create my own lane and do my own shit. And then if people fuck with me enough to like, say, let's get a, let's work in the studio or let's make a, a move to, uh, do something and put out some music together, then we can do that. And I can, negotiate with a sort of leverage that I want and not just say, well, if I do this, then I'm just going to have to sacrifice X, Y, and Z because I don't have no leverage to fight against it um, or counter whatever offer this is uh, that I'm being given. So it's just like seeing guys like Apollo Brown and, um, Let's see stolen drums. Um, people like that. Um, who's another? Uh, Twami. Um, just people that have look like they're building their brand off of just their own beats and um, them creating their own songs to a certain extent. I mean, in particular, Twami, because he has his own projects and songs that he puts out himself with uh, different rappers and stuff like that. Cause he has this series called um, emergency raps. I think he has three volumes out right now. And mostly it's just like him getting with the rapper and they create a whole uh, project together and he kind of puts it together. And um, the three volumes so far have been with all the members of, uh, Mutant Academy, and I think that's the the group that he's a part of as well. I think of, I think that he's a part of their group, and the group consists of like I think four, four rappers, three rappers, I think, and um, I think like seven or eight producers. To be honest, like they have ass load of producers, and um, that is actually bester best bester that's probably best for a collective because you have a bunch of people that make beats and they love it just as much as the other um other people that make beats and so i'm pretty sure they have a plethora of beats to go through if they want it and um they have a little fan base and they're rocking pretty strong and these guys are nice, especially guys like uh, Fly Anakin, um, Big Kahuna OG, um, Henny Low, and um, I think, uh, what's this guy named? Concept Jackson. I think he left the group not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, but it's like Tuami's dope. He has his own uh, fan base, and he's he got his own drum kits. Like I, I got both of his drum kits and I use them very frequently, um, when I'm sampling records and, um, he has a dope, he has two dope drum kits and he has some other products that he puts out. I think he has his own like loops right now. 
but that guy is pretty awesome beats wise he his sound kind of reminds me of a mad lib type of sound kind of uh the way he chops records to a certain extent and um the sound of his drums and stuff like that kind of reminds me of like a mad lib i can kind of hear the mad lib influence in his records and um stolen drums is pretty awesome he he puts out like a uh, a a bump, I think, as he calls it, or a flip, where he kind of like records like him um, playing his beats on IG, and he comes out with them like every single day. And I think he's been doing this for at least a good couple of years now, and he's created his own fan base off of it, and like he's he's made like. A lot of money off of this uh, drum kit that he's uh, that he just released called Slappy Drums, and um, it's not necessarily about the money. It's just like he's had the money is for because like he's built a loyal fan base before he even dropped the drum kit. So, so that's why he's getting the fruits of his labor because of how excuse me, how people fuck with him so hard for the way he makes his music and they can kind of see themselves in him being a guy that just wants to make beats and, like, knowing that, like, this is it for me. Like, I can't do anything else. And that's another thing I think I came to realize um, these last couple of days is, like, I don't think I can do anything else in particular, like get a job or just like do whatever to make money. It's just like I can't really do anything else, to be honest. Uh, I can try, but it's just going to come to a certain point where it's just going to stop or it's going to reach its peak or be stagnant because um, music is the only thing that. I've been able to do and continue to get better and better and better and better and not, um, sorry, I'm playing with this little, um, outlet protector or whatever it's called. But, uh, yeah, back to my point, it's just like, I can't really do anything else. I mean, I know I'm creative, but this is my way of really getting out my creativity to the highest level that I know how. And um, I can do, I think I can dabble into different stuff, but as a source of income, this is probably it for me. It's like my biggest. And then eventually over time, I can dabble into different stuff once I get a stable living situation going on. But now it's just like, I finally realized that like, this is the only thing I can really truly do. And, um, I have to make it work because it's, there's nothing else that I can do. That's that either comes easy or is, is, um, it's going to be fulfilling in the long run. So, I'll eventually 
make my decision to like fully immerse myself into this. Um, hopefully sooner than later, of course, but uh, I'm still working on that. And um, yeah, it's just like seeing uh people like like I've said before, Apollo Brown, um, Twami, um, Stolen Drums, just like even the whole boom bap. Not boom bap, but a lo-fi movement of kids that like just makes the make these raw ass beats and they just put them out and they release their own projects and they build their own fan base and they can easily tour the world, tour the country, just playing their beats and doing live sets of their beats. And I think that's incredible, to be honest, because it's like. It, it made me realize that our, we don't, as producers, we don't need to have a placement. That's just a shiny uh, thing to hang your hat on as like a producer. Nowadays, it's just like placements, placements, look at my placements. Like that's how you see your niggas bios and shit when like you go to a certain producer's placement, me on um, producer's placement, uh, producer's bio and like uh, social media or whatever. It's like, oh, look at how many uh, records I got with such and such, or this is who I've worked with. I'm a Grammy nominated, you know, um, producer, Grammy winning producer or whatever. And I'm not knocking like people doing that. It's just like nowadays that is the thing that most people hang their hat on. And um, I think that's awesome, but it's just like I rather um hang my hat on creating a fan base of my own and um building my tribe of people because those are the people that's going to help you to um become somebody that can make a living off this consistently having true fans because uh for producing a true fan could easily be a a um a customer that comes back for every beat that you create, they come and buy it. Or it could be like a, for this thing right here, this podcast could be a person that continues to listen, continue to listen. And then once I release something um, to the public, like maybe a t-shirt or who knows, whatever the freak, uh, release some other product that everybody um, that listen to the podcast will be interested and then I can um, create a, a fan base around this podcast and my fan base would eventually come from all these different places of me just like doing music, doing podcasting um, and whatever thing I get into in the future and I think that that is the one of the greatest things about this era now is that you have so many ways of getting on as a producer. And this is another thing that I um, picked up on. This is probably another topic that I was thinking of is from like the Joe Budden podcast and um, Reason, this rapper from L.A. just uh, signed with TD and put on this project. Um, I forgot what it was called, but uh he was on a podcast and um, 
and uh they was having they was revisiting this conversation about like uh mall saying that it's easier now for kids to uh really uh to get on or whatever and get popping or whatever but like and um mall I mean not mall but uh Joe Budden was on the opposite side of that and mostly saying that it's hard for these kids nowadays to do what we did in the 90s as far as like shopping demos around and trying to get into label heads faces and get into like people's like puff and um and uh whoever is the label head of certain labels trying to get music in their hands and stuff like that and you can say the same thing about like early 2000s people had to do the same thing and even like j cole that's how j cole got with uh jay-z is him standing outside of a a a record of rockefeller or whatever him handing uh cd to somebody um to give the jay-z to listen to it and so it's just like nowadays that was the only route you could even think about to really get on and um nowadays there's so many ways of getting on but um reason's point that he came with was like yeah it was hard back then and um but it was easier at the same time because you only had one path and all you had to do was pretty much impress those people with that one record and they would help you lay down the groundwork to uh to cultivate something cultivate an album that's really freaking good and that the masses will mess with because back then there were artist development now there's no artist development you're picking up completely raw talent and that's why the kids nowadays you see is just like all wild and out there on instagram and social medias because these are kids straight out the bedroom making music and now they're blowing up they're going doing shows and um getting on uh records with these big artists and stuff like that and doing collabs and doing shows touring and all types of stuff that back 10 20 years ago you couldn't do from the internet so uh what was i getting to so reason's point was like uh it takes a while to even get to point a before you can even get to a to z and for him saying that it's just like yeah everybody's trying to get to uh to blow up but it's a point to being noticed first that is the road that is the hardest being noticed and getting some sort of a fan base so then you can take off and become a huge star or a big star and um people recognizing you and x y and z and that was the reason's point of like saying like uh today is it's just it's super it's much harder than it was back then or as he would say that it's harder i think 
That's what he said. I think that he said it was harder for them because it takes so much for them just to build a fan base now than because once you have a fan base to blowing up, then that's that road is easier. You just have to um, once you have a fan base, you have to just have to keep feeding them and keep creating stuff until you blow up. And that shouldn't take um, a long time nowadays if you do it right with marketing and um, stuff like that. But back then, the label put in that groundwork to help you uh, skyrocket to being a big star. Um, but nowadays, you have to do that all by yourself by... Yeah, so let me see if I can make a correlation. So, like, back then, they the labels put in all the groundwork to help you become a huge, humongous star. So, nowadays, they're picking kids just off the street who makes a hot song and just putting them into the fire with all these other artists who have been groomed for this and who have been showed the ropes who have had help who have all these different types of um things to help them grow and not to like make a hot song and and destroy the whole career from just like trying to create another hot song so it's like yeah i think it for me i think it is harder nowadays to really um create a fan base and that um is probably harder to do than to just blow up because a lot of people have um fan bases but they just haven't blown up yet but it's a lot of people that just are trying to create a fan base just so they can continue to um so to create a living for themselves and then eventually um uh blow up but it is from from like going to create enough to create a fan base that is probably the hardest part about this game nowadays because they have so much to choose from and you have no idea where you fit in that mix because you're just creating music putting it out it's like yeah but like and then you got so many people dropping on the same day it's I think today is harder, in my opinion. Yeah, people will say, like, we have all the tactics to get people to listen to our music, but you're fishing for gold in the ocean, to be honest. It's just like you got to swim through so much stuff just to get to find something that's dope. It's just like it's hard, and it's hard to create a fan base nowadays because people are seeing so much that they can easily just overlook your um your music pretty fast it's hard to even um really get like loyal fans that way especially if you're just like creating the music you want to create and just trying to do something um 
and not kind of join into what everything else is on the radio and um or try to conform to a certain sound like Apollo Brown was saying like eventually he kept creating what he wanted to create and he made a fan base for himself to where he can make a living off of touring and um doing all the collab projects with artists that he's super inspired by and it's great to look at and it's great to see and it's great to know that there are other ways we can make money as a producer other than just trying to make a placement or selling beats online and you can do do it also through like instrumental albums and um I think that's really important information for people to know because it's not all about just like getting a placement because um, you could be one of those guys that get all these placements, but then you get to a point where you just, the money slows up. You're not getting as many placements. There's another hot producer that's taking all the, uh, who, there's another hot producer that's um that has the sound right now and your sound is is not what it used to be and is not hot anymore then what do you have after that you're back to what selling beats or just getting uh local placements or getting only placements with people that you really have super really good relationships with so it's just like that's the that's to me that's the danger of like being like one of those top producers who has a sound at the moment and then the sound changes and you can't compete and you just kind of like fade away but then again it could be good for some people because they can uh have that time to create their own sound and just like me not create their own sound but reinvent their sound and and come back even bigger better and stronger like like dj mustard to a certain extent like like he took over for a while like i I was at one point in time where i couldn't even turn on uh the hip-hop uh radio station down here and just like hip-hop radio stations down here and not hear uh at least two dj mustard produced beats um records like YG, my hitter, that was probably the biggest one to me that I kept hearing a lot of. Who else? Just a lot of people. There was just a lot of people that had DJ Mustard Beats. And he was on the radio a lot hearing that tag. And um, I think he got to a certain point where just like he had to reinvent his, his sound. And so I think the first beat I heard that... uh that um really that I heard like he really inve- reinvented his sound was the record DJ Mustard had with um with Travis Scott and it was more of like a um a EDM kind of like inspired record with like trap drums and like it had this big like drop and stuff like that and build up and all that and I was like wow that's crazy like he really like kind of like took a different route on this and um 
his records after that were completely uh not completely different but you can tell he he added some different tools to the toolbox for sure and that's great to see but um for me i'd rather take the um if i could i would rather take the instrumental album route and just create what i want to create and then if i can create a a revenue stream of like getting placements off of that that would be great as well but if i had to choose i'd probably take the instrumental route um myself because i think i just think that route is more appealing to me instead of the uh just getting placements and um getting records placed with people that 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 inspired me but not to the extent of wanting me to like create a whole collab album with them and um i know there are some people that probably do both or can do both and you shot you should probably do that and i think i could do that like do like have placements and create my own niche because that is what uh but most people from, um, like Apollo Brown, I'll keep using him as an example because he does have placements and he has his own collab projects he does with people. And he does have his own instrumental albums. So he has a multiple, he has a couple ways of creating revenue from music that uh, most people don't realize that can happen for people and that if they think their music is uh is different from what they're hearing nowadays and they can easily make an income not easily but they can eventually create some sort of uh, income behind the weird or different music that they make and it can be fruitful for them if they realize that everything isn't about like trying to get a placement on a big artist's uh, album because especially if you not ready to have a placement like that like you don't have a, a lawyer in place or you have no sort of business sense then you're going to be the guy that get a big placement but don't get paid for it and then you're just going to be the grammy nominated person first grammy nominated person to never get paid for his uh his record or whatever the case is who knows that could be somebody out there now that that's their thing and that actually happened to him like having this humongous record but not being paid for it but um yeah i think that's pretty good for that topic I've, <laughs> I've talked long enough i could talk all day about producing that's why i usually don't talk about it on this podcast I pick my spots mostly because I just don't want to just box myself in and just talking about just music production, even though that's what I do. It's just like I'd rather uh, talk about other stuff that interests me as well, not just like producing.
excuse me. Um, so for my next topic, I'm going to talk about, um, I'm going to talk about these lessons that I learned from the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And so, um, I've wrote down at least about, uh, two pages worth of lessons that I learned. And um, I could have written down more if I wouldn't went through all the chapters, but I just wrote the ones down that really stuck with me a lot. And um, let me see if I can pick out a couple talk about that really touched me is uh, let's see. Um, I think this is a really important one. It says most people lie. Most people lives are controlled by fear and greed fear of being without makes them work hard and earn a paycheck but once they have that money greed gets them thinking about all the things they could buy which makes them need more money which makes them spend more it's what the rich dad called the rat race and um that really stuck with me especially with um um think another thing saying like um something of the sorts of like where I don't know if it was in this book but I think I've read it somewhere or heard it somewhere that like people are make decisions mostly off of uh fear and desire so it's like um most people take jobs because of like um this quote just said like fear of being without like money or a job and stuff like that. So they keep a job just to make sure they have money, but they don't really like care about the job that they do. They just want the money and, um, desire as like a thing where, you you might do something that's that's probably you don't think is or some people don't think is good for the for the um short term could be something fruitful for the long term like let's say for like a producer for example let's say he's working a regular nine to five job making whatever money um and he wants to take his uh those um earnings and just say you know what forget this just cut my losses this is not for me and I'm gonna just go do music full time and so like what if that person um uh that that person has a decision to make they can keep like living in fear and just like continue to do the job even though they hate it and they they just want they just need the money to keep surviving and paying what they need to pay or they can go with desire or love and just go for after the thing that they want most in life because they know that they will eventually regret like not doing it and they know that that regret will um be much worse going forward than like the short-term pain that they feel now of like working this uh shitty job and just like 
trying to just get through every day without like having a freaking anxiety attack or some shit like that. So that's what I kind of get from it. Maybe somebody hasn't created that sort of scenario for me, like a fear and desire, but I've kind of just like thought about that a lot. Just like most people make decisions out of either fear or like, like greed. I think fear and greed kind of like go hand in hand and, um, like either they make them out of fear or greed or they make them out of like desire and love for something. And, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest takeaway I've got from this book. Um, uh, people making decisions off of fear and, um, desire. Uh, what's another one? Uh, when it comes to money, most people want to play it safe and feel secure. So passion does not direct them. Fear does. That goes back to another thing where like, yeah, man, like fear, if you have to control that fear in order to really create the life you want, because if if you don't control that fear, it'll eat you alive and have you walk down a a horrible path to uh, no return or just a path that you have to scrap for everything to get out of and um, hit make a hard left to uh, to a life you want or a life you want to create for yourself. Uh, see, what's another one that I really like? Uh, life is like going to the gym. The most painful part is deciding to go. Once you get past that, it is easy. And um, that's really, um, really, infi- really insightful. Like, that is true. And that's, that's with like anything, to be honest, anything that takes time to create or do, like, it's like, get going to the gym it's like you got to put the reps in to become um fit because you're not just gonna become fit overnight unless you do a freaking uh liposuction or some type of procedure to to take away all your fat or whatever but even then you're not really healthy you just took away all the fat so you still fat you're just as in like habits and fat as in mindset of eating like a fat person so it's like you're still fat you just don't have it anymore because you had a surgery to take it all away but it doesn't take away the mental um the mental aspect of it like because you're still gonna want to eat or do things that fat people do like just sit around on the couch and watch TV and eat potato chips or like go out and eat like uh, fast food most most days out of the week. So what's another thing? Um, If I pay myself first, I get financially stronger mentally and physically. 
Um, yeah, because um, when you pay yourself first, it's like um, you're setting a precedent to say that like I am more important than my um, uh, expenses or whatever I have to pay for. Like you got to put yourself first in like making sure you're a priority on a list of like I need to help myself do X, Y, and Z. Whether that's like investing in like a business or putting money aside to take a trip somewhere or like um, putting that money into helping somebody else. Like it's important to pay yourself first before you get like bill collectors and whatnot out of the way because most people will try to help people or help themselves once they get all that in order but nine times out of ten if you never um build the habit of like helping yourself first then you're not going to uh not just create the life you want but just to get ahead in any aspect of whatever you're trying to get out of and like this quote says like mentally physically well fiscally stronger like financially stronger so like and this is another thing i learned it's just like the mind is so powerful and it's so under appreciated like people don't understand that like I think I said this about last podcast. This is like, that's kind of what my theory was for what, like, why Derrick Rose had so many injuries and like all his careers because like mentally, I don't think he was there to really play as hard. He was probably, of course, he gets up every day as a professional NBA player and plays his heart out, but I don't know if mentally he was there every game. So that's why he probably kept getting injured because he just he mentally wasn't there or mentally wasn't um super strong to face all the stuff he was facing with his injuries and all the other stuff he had maybe going on at the time so i think that those fears and insecurities and maybe just like anxiety just like kept him down and kept him getting injured more injured to a point where he who knows if he probably thought of like retiring. I know most people kept saying him for him to retire, but yeah, like people need to realize like the, the mind will tell the body to like do everything it needs to do. So if you control your mind, you're pretty much controlling your life to a certain extent. Like, because um, mentally, being mentally strong is probably greater uh, a greater asset than um, anything you can think of. Because um, if you think about it, all the military people, for the most part, they're getting pounded discipline, mental strength into their head um, through all the rigorous tactics and um, activities that they have to go through in order to be a, a Navy SEAL or like a, a, um, 
be a part of like the um any sort of um in combat like military person they have to be beaten down mentally so they can build them back up and create a a mentally strong individual and then they can figure out the rest of the stuff along the way but if you're not mentally strong they can't um count on you to be attentive and help people and um look after your fellow like soldiers on a battlefield or or fellow like um people that you're working with um in whatever military sector that you're in or military branch that you're in and so that's how i look at it is like even the military like enforces like being mentally strong because that's the only way you can get through the shit that they have to go through is be mentally strong because if you're not then that's how you get people that come home from the military and their their heads are just like their mind is in a different place and because of the stuff that they saw and they'll never be able to unsee it stuff that they saw over over in the different countries and what they had to see throughout combat and friends dying and people dying in their face and people being blown in smithereens with whatever weapon that was formed against them or was put against them like a grenade or a sniper or uh, some bomb or something like that. So being mentally strong is like something that people don't realize is probably your gateway to success right there it's like being disciplined and mentally strong enough to go through anything that life puts in front of you and um of course not everybody is mentally strong and but you have to build that up so you can be and um that's where all the um success and everything you want in life i think is on the other side of like your fears and anxiety and um, being able to mentally will your way through all that shit is what's going to lead you to like the so-called promised land for you. I guess that's what most people will um, call their happy place or whatever. Yeah. I think most people like underappreciate how important it is to be mentally strong, but yeah. Uh, what's something else? Um, there's an old cliche that goes J job is an acronym for just over broke. Unfortunately that applies to millions of people. Yeah. And that's like, and that's the thing I have about like, like when people say get a job so you can have like security and shit, but like a job, like this acronym says, like you're just over broke. You're not, you're not some, some guy or some girl with a million dollars in the bank and you can do whatever you want. You're just um, making money so you don't have to be a guy at the un- un- unemployment um, place trying to get a check or whatever so you can find your footing again to get another job. And so, like, that's what I think is important. 
for people to realize is that like just because you have a job doesn't mean you have like security to do um, some financial security to go out and do certain stuff like many of the financially free people are doing because I just think that everybody that has a job is like uh, being laid off they're like let me see if I can just really piece this together really good so I see it as like having a job you're like I say it for like this like people that um like people for me that have come from like a divorce like family aspect to where like um my dad is not like in my uh in my presence every day like he used to be when I was much smaller and it came from that aspect of having two parents to now just having one it's like you uh really see how your your living situation can go from like you living in a house to you living in a uh three bedroom apartment or a three bedroom complex I mean apartment in a complex building or whatever because that's where I, I had uh, went to like I went from being in a house of my my mom my dad and my sister to being in a three bedroom apartment in a uh in a uh complex um sort of like apartment buildings a complex of like apartment buildings and having like people live on top of you people live beside you people live under you type of thing people live across from you and um and that's the show that like having a job um eliminating like one person's income from like your household can easily drop you from being middle class to being like like dead poor like some kids are like have just one person in their household um um creating their creating the income and lifestyle that they have and they're just like a layoff away from being or being fired or uh quitting their their predicament can be so much worse than what it is now so that's kind of like what a job is for me like I'm no better than the person who's broke I'm just like I'm just person who has a little I have much more money than that broke person but I'm not I'm not like I'm not like free or whatever and that's like another thing I think of it's just like just because you have a job don't mean you have like security and whatever you're doing you're not like you can't do everything you want just because you have a job that's why I'm trying to get at like you don't have financial freedom just because you have a job. I think that's my, my greater point. Just because you have a job, you don't have financial freedom. Like financial freedom is something totally different. That's like getting money to a certain 
space to where you don't have economic anxiety about freaking bills and shit like that. People with jobs have economic anxiety because either they don't make enough or they make just enough to uh, get their stuff paid for. Or maybe they make enough money and they spend it poorly and and um they end up losing a lot of it throughout their paycheck periods and stuff like that like getting the money and then paying everything they have to pay for and then they fuck it off fuck off the rest of it doing other dumb shit and then they're back to square one uh until the next paycheck so yeah that's a long tangent but uh what else um it's fear that keeps most people working at a job the fear of not paying their bills the fear of being fired the fear of not having enough money and the fear of starting over that's the price of studying to learn a professional trade and then working for money for most people become most people become a slave to money and then get angry at their boss and it all goes back to the same thing like fear will control your life if you let it like fear is the one thing where if you don't if you don't try to attack it full force you're never going to live the life you want never and it it just won't happen because if you don't get past the fears that you have the fear of not having such and such whatever that is it's just like if you don't face it it will continue to beat you down like a dead horse and you're just gonna take everything until you say just like fuck this shit i'm gonna just do it my way this shit don't happen then fuck it i face my fear i'm happy with that i can live with that now and um yeah man this fear thing is it's overbearing and it can be but if you don't try to control it or manage it correctly then it'll just take over your life and have you become a debt slave and slave to all these different corporations and um slave to a to a mortgage you have slave to like a uh, car payment, slave to credit cards, slave to uh, your job that you need to pay for all the shit that you have debt towards. Uh, yeah, I just, that's why I try to stay weary of like payment plans and shit. Cause I hate payment plans. Like, if I want some shit, I want the shit right now. I'll pay whatever amount it is, but I'm not trying to pay no. Uh, amount every single month to keep the shit depends on what it is though like for say let's say um if I'm paying for music like I do for Spotify I don't mind paying $9.99 to listen to all the music possible and um and being able to get access to all this different type of music if I didn't have that access at $9.99 or like a, a Netflix or a subscription service like that where you can have so much access to all this stuff like an Amazon anything like that or if it's for like a car or like a freaking 
uh, um, whatever, a credit card, a phone bill. That's the thing about mine. It's just like, I'd rather those things, I'd rather pay full for and not have to deal with all the other shit. But um, most of that stuff you have to have a payment plan for and it's just the way it is. Like with a phone phone bill, you're either paying like a thousand or whatever dollars up front for the most part, unless you'd rather pay for like the payment plan like hundred ninety one forty whatever amount you have to pay for a phone every month. And um that sucks. But that's just the way America works, I guess, and shit you have to deal with. But uh what's something else? Probably this should probably be my last one, but these are so good it's just like I'd read all of them if I could. Um the single most powerful asset we have we all have is our mind. If it is trained well, it can create enormous wealth seemingly instantaneously. An untrained mind can also create extreme poverty that can crush a family for generations. That is what the fuck I'm talking about. This is the thing between your freaking head. The fr- between your head. thing between your freaking ears is the greatest thing that you have been born with in this world because you can create anything from it. It is how everything is created that you see in life for the most part besides all the shit that mother, mother nature has brought to us in this life. But everything else, like, for instance, your wherever you stay, that is created from an idea that has been put in place that people orchestrating it, putting money behind it to create this house or place that you stay in. And that is the same process for most times for everything else that you have as possessions like it is created from the mind first and then it is put into action to to be able to um for people to buy and for people to have in their hands and to see their creation and full fruition and um that's probably the greatest thing for me as far as music but like being able to hear something and then um, creating something from what I hear in my head and then creating something that is exactly what I hear in my head. That is probably the greatest gift of like being a producer to me is like hearing a sample or hearing a melody and creating something that I hear in my head and making it sound exactly how I heard it. And People like Pharrell or Timbaland, I think they're probably one of the best at being able to create something from just their head. Like, I remember there was a a guy, a a white kid, I don't know if he was a rapper or a singer or whatever, but he was working with Pharrell and he was saying how um, Pharrell pretty much was in the studio with him and he was playing records for Pharrell. And um, I think Pharrell like took a moment to like kind of like um, close his eyes, bow his head and kind of like meditated 
um, for like a good 15, 20 minutes. And he came out with a beat perfectly tailored to him, to that kid. And it's just like, that is the antithesis of what this quote is saying. Like, he created maybe a great song for that kid just from him meditating on what he heard in his brain and creating that. And then it's a whole nother superpower to like create something from your head and make it exactly how you found it, how you sound, how it sounded from just your head, from your mind, from being creative in your imagination and not just like from how I do it is I hear something. And then I hear what I can create from that. But Pharrell, he can easily just create that spark from just his mind and his imagination and his creativity. And that is freaking incredible. So, yeah. Uh, What else? Um... When it comes to money, most people want to play it safe and feel secure. So passion does not direct them. Fear does. I think I just read that. I think so. I'm going to skip that one. Um, Taxes are the highest on earned income and lowest on passive. As Rich Dad would say, the government taxes the income you work hard for more than the income you your money works hard for. And that is true. That is something that I've learned a lot, too. Is that, like, people with jobs, they get taxed really hard. And the government takes out a whole whole bunch of money for what you make. And then it's like, when you have, like, a a business that you create for yourself, uh, let's say, like, for me, I sell beats. Um, No one is taxing that money. And, like, no one is taxing PayPal money for the most part. I mean, of course, once you make enough to where, like, it is taxable and it's your only income and stuff like that. But, like, when when you're making money off the Internet, that is not really um, being taxed uh, instead of going to a job and everything you make is being taken into account by the uh by taxes and stuff like that because you they your your job gives you a form to uh to fill out on like what taxes that you're um doing or whatever the case is if i remember correctly probably super wrong without about this but like it's some f- sort of like a uh, way that your job has connected um, taxes to you by like, of course, they take out a certain amount. But um, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about right now, but taxes are a thing I need to learn more about. But yeah, um, what's another thing? 
for most people, the reason they don't win financially is because the pain of losing money is far greater than the joy of being rich. Yeah. That is very important. Most people that don't win financially is because the pain of losing is far greater than the joy of winning. Yep. Not much to say after that. Failure inspires winners. Failure defeats losers. That is true. Especially for this music business. If you keep failing and you're staying inspired, then you're going to win eventually. But if you keep failing and you feel defeated, you're going to keep losing because you're not learning from your failures. Um, what else? I recommend to young people to seek work for what they will learn more what than what they will earn. Yeah, because a lot of people don't understand, like, if you keep working at um fucking shitty job, you're going to become good at that shitty job. And then that is the only skill you're going to be able to um, use to um, keep a certain amount of income coming towards you until whatever business you have is uh, uh, waiting to be cultivated and nurtured and brought up in a way where you can make good money and not to depend on that shitty job. But if you, if you know you can do something different and you keep doing that shitty job, you're going to become good at it or decent enough where you can start making a, a better living at it and get another job the same and make much more money but now you're you you buy more shit with that and your rat race man it's crazy because it's so easy to get in a rat race if you just listen to all the people that are stuck in a rat race you'll become a person of the rat race and that is the fate of most people because like Especially if you come from a small town like me, like most people are in the rat race because like, of course, like the statistics of 76 percent of people are mostly in the rat race. And of course, you have the one percent at the top and you have everybody else at the middle class and the bottom. And um, so like, yeah, it's just like. It's so easy to become a part of the rat race because the school, the the school system, the education system as a whole, they teach you to get involved into that aspect as far as get a get it, graduate, get a degree, get a job in that job should pay for everything you have to pay for as far as a car a credit card a phone bill insurance uh, a house um whatever else you have to pay for and that it's like that is the rat race though that they're not teaching you how to 
build multiple income streams. It's not teaching you how to save your money. It's not teaching you how to invest it. It's not teaching you how to make sure you don't do or buy stupid shit along the way or take out huge amounts of debt that you have to keep slaving away at your job just to pay off. And then you get to a point where you're like at 30, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? And then you're trying to figure out a way out and it's so fucking hard because people have breeded you to get into this sort of lifestyle. And it's humongously hard for people to really get out of that if you're you're programmed to to jump into this lifestyle which is fucked up but that's just the way america is because um america is just like it loves its people and it hates its people at the same time like it does all this fucked up shit as far as like uh, of course racial stuff racial tension and shit that like uh cops killing black kids and and black people and and um racist and all types of shit that uh the the elitists do to keep people like poor and the such down and for them to keep creating more wealth because it's just a cycle whether you're in a rat race or whether you're dead broke or you're rich like most people when they get money they're creating more money they're getting richer and richer and the poor usually get poor and poor and poor and the middle class become middle class they teach middle class. Your mom is middle class. Your dad is middle class. So they breed more middle class people. So that is just the way life is. It's just like you get what you keep putting out into the world and what you keep feeding people. So um, the rat races keep being programmed into people's minds. And so they keep doing the shit. And then they don't know that they're getting all this shit put on them and um there's no people don't really give you a another route they just say this is the route for you and they don't know that with the internet you can create your own business and um really succeed that way instead of just like trying to do the traditional route and being fucked over in the long run And um, I think that's a good spot to end this podcast. I'm about an hour and 30 in now. And so um, usually I don't try to go this long, but I think I felt the um, the energy and I felt the uh, passion talking about certain um, quotes from this book that I uh, really felt stuck with me a lot. And um, of course, I rant throughout them throughout all of my podcasts because this is my way of getting shit off my chest as well as uh informing people about different shit I'm interested in and um 
I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank all the people that uh, continue to listen. Um, follow me on Instagram at lord.swank and you can get uh, most of my stuff that I promote through that. And you can see my daily, like, well, not daily, but my updates from whatever I'm working on. As far as music, um, please check out my uh, beat tape, Basquiat 3. It's on all streaming platforms. And um, you can find it from typing in Lord Swank and Swank with a dollar sign. And um, what else? Uh, Go check out my beat store where I sell beats on um, tracktrain.com backslash lords swank you can find all my beats there um this podcast is uh on anchor and for the most part and um it's on the some other uh places that podcast platforms uh i think stitcher uh spotify and um some other places that you can find if you just go to the um, the link in my bio and my Instagram and hit podcast and it'll show you or send you or give it should give you a link to like whatever else places that this podcast is on. And um, one thing I keep forgetting to do is uh, keep uh, forgetting to not put up my inspirational uh, motivational quote for the day and um, I'm gonna try to get to that as well today and like um, I want to thank all the people that continue to listen of course and um, I'm gonna try to keep this as consistent as possible because I know this shit is like with anything is hard to stay consistent and I think that's probably the biggest um thing for me is like staying consistent with anything I mean seriously like I mean so many things that I've always just like been doing and then I stop and certain habits I will build and I'll stop and I'll be inconsistent and like I think that's probably my biggest um my biggest uh detractor or like sort of obstacle obstacle to overcome as far as like being on creating the life I want for myself is like becoming disciplined in my habits and staying consistent in what I do in order for me to grow and get better at doing the um the best I want to um do and becoming the best at what I want to achieve and the likes of such so um let's see um for today's motivational quote it is uh it is during our darkest moments we must focus to see the light again it is during our darkest moments we must focus to see the light yep that is awesome because that is where um, another quote that I remember coming in saying something about like 
I think it's actually in the rich dad poor dad book to kind of tie it together it's like once you see one opportunity you'll see them for the rest of your life and so if you can in order for you to succeed um, through your dark times you got to be able to see those those little um, windows of opportunity and just break those bitches down and go through them hopefully they will be one thing that will propel you to a better life and um, help you to become that person that you've always wanted to be and so on that note um, thank you guys for listening uh, I think this was another successful podcast um, please uh, if you have any feedback please hit me up um, probably hit me up through ig or uh my email my gmail whatever and um should give me some feedback uh fuck with the show hit me up say i fuck with the show um whatever the likes and um have a good week and peace